as far as attracting top recruits, I think it already is attracting top recruits. Um, going 60, I think I believe it's 61 and three now since 2016. Mm-hmm. That that kind of home advantage you can't find anywhere. The only team that's better than that is Gonzaga, and they play San Francisco and Mount St. Mary's every year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Coming to Florida State, where you're playing one of Duke or Carolina every single year, you've got Miami coming in every year. Notre Dame, Louisville, you've got so many big time talents. Virginia, Virginia Tech, I forgot them. Syracuse, you got so many big time programs in this conference. That alone is going to get you at least the attention of recruits. But obviously winning against those teams is going to get you recruits as well. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dolls. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. You know, we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder, Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die. And go nose. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan from Here the Sphere, presented to you by Noel Game Day. We are here on Sunday evening. We got quite a bit to talk about. We're going to jump a little bit into softball, talk about their start to the season, then jump into football, recap, uh, have a quick recap on National Signing Day, also Florida State's new commit there for the 2021 class. And then to end off the rest of the podcast, we'll run through basketball. Florida State's big matchup against Duke uh, and the Cameron Indoor. That's going to be happening tomorrow night at 7 p.m. The guys are also going to recap the Miami game. And then we're going to go through y'all's questions that you gave us through Twitter. And then have our trivia and fun facts. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play. Also, YouTube. I want to give a shout out. We got another five-star rating. Like I said, we're going to shout out every five-star rating that we receive from you guys. We definitely appreciate it. Uh, if you leave a five-star rating, uh, we're going to put your name out there. So thank you to Storm Rafiki says, just a great overall podcast for everyday FSU football fans. Great insight and great conversations that aren't super technical. So for a casual fan, I can see how it is easy to understand, but it doesn't take away any substance from the detail that you can that you crave from a podcast of this nature. Favorite part of the show is the intro stuff gets you hype, especially when it's the off season, keep up the good work, go Knowles. So thank you storm Rafiki for the review and nice words. Um, but yeah, let me go get the two guys on here with me. Our lead writer and editor, Justin Lewis and our lead basketball writer, our busy guy right now, Austin VZ. What's going on boys. Busy guy. What's he doing? Find this Duke preview. <laughs> Oh, you couldn't have done that a couple of days ago? Prioritize <laughs> your time a little bit better? We had the Miami game yesterday, and I was working all day today, so you know. Yeah, really. Yeah. like to I see more effort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dustin, yeah. You just had like two days off after National Signing Day. Just, you know, no big deal. Finally. Yeah, now we had a little break. I had family come in this weekend. Y'all have a good weekend? I guess. Jeez. I mean, I'm still, I'm still alive. That's, that is huge. We're making it through. <laughs> We're making it alive. Y'all watching the XFL? Yeah, it nah. wasn't too bad, honestly. I was watching the Hornets Mavericks game last night, plus a little bit of UNC Duke. And then today I was working, so I really couldn't. The only thing about the XFL so far is I feel like there hasn't really been a lot that's happened for teams on offense. There hasn't really been a lot of exciting big plays. But I thought like the concepts where they're interviewing guys after drives, that's yeah. kind of cool. And then also at halftime, they have like the reporters in each locker room. So that's an, that's an interesting twist. I kind of like it. Yeah, it's interesting. I do think if there's some better offensive play 
it would be more entertaining. Defenses were playing good. Uh, but I guess the two favorites to win the XFL championship, the Dallas Renegades and the Tampa Bay Vipers, both lost it, um, today or, yeah, this weekend. Yeah, I think Florida State fans are happy. Bob Soups didn't end up in Tallahassee. Can't even win the XFL. Mm, <laughs> unreal. Unreal, yeah, they weren't supposed to win the game. Or they were supposed to win the game today by about quite a, quite a bit, like nine points, nine and a half. Um, but That's yeah, another I, cool thing. I forgot about that. They sh- they have the spread and the over under on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. That's and interesting. The kickoffs are cool too. Yeah, I actually like that idea where you're lining up. We got like ten yards ahead, uh, apart from each other, and whenever the kickoff happens and the returner catches a ball. Um, that's whenever they're allowed to go ahead and, and set off and go against each other. But then it creates a, it's a safer environment. And then also you have a better chance at a kick return, which, you know, is usually the most exciting part of games per se, you know? Yeah. And they were, they were penalizing kickers for legal procedure. If the ball didn't go past the 20. Oh, wow. So if like a guy, it hit, it hit at like the 21 and the other mm-hmm. team got a penalty, and the offense started at the other team's 45. I was like, dude, what? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't see – maybe it just maybe it was just depending on the network, but I didn't have, like, a whole lot of commercials. I felt like I got to see a lot of gameplay and not a lot of commercials. I know that's something that McMahon had talked about early on, that, you know, they didn't want to have a lot of commercials. Uh, they didn't want to have a lot of game time. So it's pretty interesting to me. And they have a different kind of two-minute – uh, warning and you know the timing and how all they kinds do of rules, all kinds of different rules that it's going to take probably a couple weeks for people to truly understand yeah i know i know it's going to take me a little while but it's good i i enjoy it. if there's football on that i can just put out in the ba- background while i'm doing things on the weekends i'll take it any day of the week i love just having football on yeah Speaking of some football stuff and some guys that are in the pros we can go and announce that we're going to have a big Big, 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 big podcast on Tuesday night. We're going to have former Knowles, 2013 national champions, two running backs, James Wilder Jr. and Carlos Williams joining us at the same time. They're going to be dual potting with us. We're excited for that. I don't know what to expect. Uh, Carlos told me that he that we should watch out. Um, that they're <laughs> both going to be allowed to come on and talk at the same time. So I think it should be pretty entertaining. I'm sure we'll get some good stories. And definitely make sure you guys are subscribed wherever you're listening to this so you wherever you're listening to on the platform so you can get notified when it goes up. Let's jump right into a, a, a quick shout out to Florida State softball team. Uh, they start off their season and they played against North Carolina first, but then, whew, man, they beat number one Alabama in a, in a big, in a in beautiful fashion. They won eight to seven. Uh, then they played Detroit Mercies in town, and they beat them 22-0. to zero. And Mercy ruled in the fifth inning. Um, yep. And then they actually Mercy ruled Alabama again uh, later in, later uh, in Saturday, 8-0. to zero. <laughs> And then Mercy ruled Detroit Mercy again. I guess it just kind of rhymes with everything, 12-0. So they are currently 5-0 and right now. Thoughts on that, gentlemen? Hell of a weekend. Hell of a weekend, ladies. Yeah, just insane because they were down 7-1 to one in that Alabama game going into the sixth inning. Got to run there. And then still, I mean, you're down 7-2 in the final inning of the game. Everything's looking pretty dire, and they get a grand slam to put life back into the team before pulling out in extras on a, an Elizabeth Mason RBI single. So just just a great game from a team that has a lot of experience. And then, yeah, ever since then, the offense has been on fire. Like you said, Logan, Mercy ruled uh, each team in their last three games, did it to number one, Alabama. So just a great start to the season. Yep. They'll play Florida uh, A&M FAMU uh, on Wednesday this upcoming week. Uh, And then they'll have a big tournament this upcoming weekend, uh, they'll face against number two, Washington, number seven, Minnesota, and number 15, Northwestern. That's this upcoming weekend. They usually, Florida State usually tries to jump into these big uh, tournaments where there's some good teams nationally coming in. So that'll be entertaining to watch. I think most of that's going to be on ESPN and ESPNU. So uh, should be, should it's a great start. And, and Lon, Lonnie, 
Alameda, I just she, she's a great coach, but also a great person. If you've ever been able to meet her, and just if you see her on social media, she's very personable with you, um, and she deserves a lot of this. They 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 work their tails off. Yep, and she actually got win number seven hundred today in her career. Yeah, yeah. So congratulations, sir. We need to get her on the podcast. That's who we need. Yeah. All right, so let's jump into football. Uh, Florida State finishes number 22 in the country per 247 sports for the 2020 class. On National signing day, the guys landed DJ Lundy, TJ Davis, Sydney Williams. Uh, on the flip side, Florida State loses Donovan Kaufman to Vanderbilt. And then, you know, this was probably the biggest one and what everybody was keeping an eye on heading into it. I'm sure, I know the night before people were trying to get rumblings on it. Malachi Weidman, what his status was going to be. But he actually is going to go join Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. Thoughts on that whole situation, Dustin, to you with Malachi Weidman? Because we were kind of, I know I stayed always 50-50 the day before, we, the day before National Signing Day, but... Uh, it's, it, it, he visited around to multiple other schools and you thought maybe the relationship on the basketball side would have been tight, but that didn't seem that way. And Ron Dugan's maybe to keep him there on with FSU, but just kind of turned out to be the other way. Yeah. I thought, I thought really the relationships would be the big key here for Florida state. But like you said, in the end, that didn't really matter. And Whiteman decided to go to Tennessee, where honestly he'll probably be able to get on the basketball court a little sooner in his career. I think one thing he's looking at with Florida State is that there's there's so much experience already on this FSU roster. And Whiteman, I know Austin said it to, to us before, but he's a developmental prospect in basketball, not really an elite defender at this point. And to get on the court in Tallahassee, you have to play great defense. But just, just looking over to the rest of the, the class, Florida State did land three three big prospects in linebacker DJ Lundy, defensive end TJ Davis, and defensive back Sidney Williams. I know in our predictions, uh, we we said that Williams would be in this class if Kaufman decided to go to Vanderbilt or Ole Miss, which he did decide to, to go elsewhere. He had been committed to Vanderbilt for a while, so it wasn't really a, a major surprise. But I think it's nice for Florida State to get a guy like DJ Lundy in the fold, three-star linebacker out of Georgia who had interest from the Bulldogs as well as uh, Virginia Tech. He's a state state champion wrestler in the heavyweight division. I believe his overall record was like 116-4, and four, and all four of those losses <laughs> came during his freshman season of high school. So you're getting a guy that is really physical, Definitely understands leverage with being that great of a wrestler in that weight class and is a pretty underrated prospect, in my opinion, coming out mm -hmm. of Georgia. And then another another one to like is TJ Davis, late riser who Florida State tried to keep under the radar a little bit. He's another guy just just got lost in Georgia. And I mean, you think back to guys like Tamori Ontario and Ontario Wilson, same thing with them. They were just lost and in small town Georgia. So yeah. I think Florida State potentially found two more guys like those two, but on the defensive side of the ball. And then Sidney Williams, he just he suffered a, a leg injury during his senior year, didn't really play a lot. And before that, he was getting interest from Auburn and a bunch of other SEC schools. So as long as he can come back healthy, has a really good relationship with uh, Marcus Woodson, I think he's another nice grab for Florida State. So we'll just have to see. Austin, I know we were talking, Dustin was talking about it earlier, but do you think <clears throat> basketball-wise with Malachi Weidman flipping and going to Tennessee, is that a big loss for Leonard Hamilton, or I think everything's going to be all right? I wasn't too surprised. Um, there had been some rumors that Coach Hamilton and his staff weren't huge fans of Weidman and his talent and thought it'd be a few years before he'd see the floor in Tallahassee. And while his last visit in Tallahassee did go well, there were a couple whispers that maybe the basketball part of it didn't go as, didn't go as well as planned. Um, but that's obviously just whispers and there's nothing confirmed. I wasn't too mm -hmm. surprised he flipped at the end of the day. Um, and Tennessee is a good basketball program as well. They may not be having the greatest year this year, but last season they were top three seed in the tournament. Yep. Pretty good. Like you said, pretty good basketball program 
over there in Knoxville. Obviously, you have a veteran coach and Rick Barnes. So I, th- I think everything will be all right for Weidman uh, with, with Tennessee. And I don't know. In the end, the situation just didn't fit at Florida State. Wasn't going to be on a basketball scholarship at FSU. And football was going to have to come first. And when football is coming first, that means he's not going to be there for all of the basketball offseason practices and things like that to be able to learn the system and integrate himself chemistry-wise with the rest of the guys as much as he could do if he was solely focused on basketball. So I think that with an elite program like Florida State, it just means he probably wouldn't see a lot of time here. We've seen in the past when Florida State football players try and get him with basketball. Like with, I think it was Marquez White. Yep, Marquez, yeah, Marquez yeah. White back in the day. Yeah, he, yep. tried to, he tried to play basketball and very sparingly saw the floor. Yeah, really deep into the bench guy, basketball-wise. It's a different, and, you know, Austin has talked about it too, and we've had Kofron, we've had multiple guys from last year's team on here, like Terrence Mann, say, you know, that that there's a different family feel and, and that under Leonard Hamilton than what it is probably with how football is. And mainly, that's when Willie Taggart was here. not saying it's changed or is the same now that Norvell is here but Leonard Hamilton has a family it's just a different kind of vibe over there and how he runs things um so yeah I I don't I I I thought he I I was entertained and I'm sure a lot of fans too saw his videos coming through Instagram and Twitter of him making these crazy dunks so I'm like well you know what for a guy like me that gets entertained by that then I would definitely go to the tuck and watch it but you know, right now, I, I, I trust Leonard Hamilton, and, you know, uh, y'all got some stuff down here recruiting-wise that, you know, I think Leonard Hamilton is going to be all right. <laughs> uh, next here, uh, Brandon Jennings, Legacy Knoll, commits to FSU. This is a big grab for Florida State and Adam Fuller and Chris Marv. Um, he committed, actually, with his, ni- with his dad's 1999 national championship jersey awesome awesome moment there his dad was extremely happy also dad can also play he could probably play right now if he wanted to that is a big man <laughs> and i think he's also i think his son's also got the genetic 63 225 still got another season to play as a senior uh and i want to get to talk about that in a second but he's ranked the number four outside linebacker in the 2021 class how you feel about that one dustin uh, I feel, I feel pretty good. Uh, <laughs> we talked about Florida state landing the commitment of Luke Altmeyer on um, our last podcast and how he would be a bell cow offensively for tribe 21. And now a couple days later, FSU gets their defensive bell cow and Brandon Jennings, who's currently a top 40 prospect in the class. I think there's very good potential that he winds up getting that fifth star right now. He's a four star guy and just, I mean, he does it all. Very physical athlete, lays the wood. Um, like I said, athletic enough to get back in coverage and also help out in the passing game. So he's really a, a do-it-all linebacker, and it helps with him being a legacy recruit. Definitely a guy that has the personality and is popular with recruits around the country. And I think there will be some guys that end up committing to Florida State and large parts of the effort he puts in recruiting them. Yeah, this this is a big boy. He's ranked 39th nationally in the 2021 class. <clears throat> like I said, the he's the fourth ranked outside linebacker per 247 Sports. Yeah. Um, and he's still growing too. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in, grows taller a little bit. Six, he could be close six four, two thirty, two thirty five. Honestly. Um, yep. And he's going to be an early enrollee, so. Yeah, I think. Didn't he note that in during his commitment ceremony? I believe so. I think that was overheard. He was saying that. So that's huge. Uh, and that also, <clears throat> I think a lot of people are also, I think, you know, this builds up a momentum for Norvell, obviously. Captain Obvious over here. But uh, defensive-wise, and I don't remember the last time Florida State has landed a linebacker of this high uh, rating. Maybe... I know we were talking about it earlier a couple of days ago in the chat. Was it Matthew Thomas? Am I, who am I? Am I missing? Up there. 
I know uh, Dante. Someone someone said uh, Matthew Thomas, which if that's I don't know if that's true or not, but if it is true, wow, that's insane. Yeah, because uh, Matthew Thomas came in obviously with a five star. Five star, yeah. Yeah, let me check real quick. We're gonna do a live Google check. This is what we do it here. This very uh, Djax, of course, was a four star nine five six one. Yeah, this is Brandon's higher nine seven nine nine. Djax was nine five six one per two four seven sports. With a with a good chance where he could move up quite a little bit more too to where he could reach that five star. He's still got another season to play camps. Keep 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 out. And this this dude likes to hit. I, you, everybody knows I like guys that hit hard and uh, bring violence. So big big yeah. pickup for Chris Marv. He play he plays like an old school Florida State linebacker. Yeah. Yep. Which is what people want. And I I mean, we've talked about this multiple times. And we've had former linebackers on here, too. Uh, I know Reggie Northrup has talked about it. Nick Moody has also uh, chatted with us about it. The size that Florida State's linebackers have had the last couple of years. You know, they're almost the size of DBs. Uh, th- this ain't no damn DB size coming in. <laughs> this is a different animal. This is not what Florida, Florida State Florida State fans should... Um, feel pretty solid about this guy coming down. All right, let's see. Y'all want to jump into basketball? Absolutely. We've got a big game tomorrow. Yeah, big game tomorrow, obviously. But let's run through the recap. Florida State wins 99-81. to 81. Why, didn't, why not 100 points? What's going on there, Austin? It was funny. Uh, as, the, <laughs> as the green team went down for the last possession, you could see the entire bench, including Coach C.Y., saying go for 100, and then you, the camera fans of Coach Amity says slow it down. Uh, <laughs> I thought they were going to. If the last pass had gone to anyone other than Nate Jack, they probably would have shot it. But Nate Jack's trying to get his way into an actual bench roll. So I understand why he didn't shoot, but it was a great offensive performance from Florida State. I wasn't expecting them to score 99 points. Um, I don't think anyone was, really. I don't think anyone was expecting Miami to score 81, especially considering Chris Likes and Cameron McCusty played, but they didn't play a ton. Um, what do you think, Dawson? Yeah, I I definitely didn't expect it to be this high scoring. Uh, I know when I pre- when I made my score prediction um, last episode, I said eighty two sixty eight. So whenever the score was fifty to forty seven at halftime, I started sweating a little bit. I was like, <laughs> man, I might have been way off on this score prediction. But and really, I mean, it was just the story of the two offenses. Uh, Miami was extremely efficient in that first half before Florida State's defense really tightened up over the last 20 or so minutes to give them enough space to make it comfortable for this win. And on FSU's side, I mean, man, what can you say? 13 out of 26 from downtown, 16 out of 17 from the line, and I believe the only free throw miss was the very last free throw attempted by a Florida State player, Raquan Evans, who missed his second free throw at the line and it was just it was a balanced effort you had five guys getting double figures for Florida State shout out to my guy Wyatt Wilkes who just continues to be hot following that career performance against Notre Dame a couple weeks ago also thought Devin Vassell looked pretty good and Florida State was down early in this game and MJ Walker uh, an errant pass goes past him he goes back and collects it about 40 feet from outside has to pull up with the shot clock running down and just drills like a 38 40 foot three-pointer and I thought that shot was what really ignited Florida State in that first half to battle back into this one yeah I definitely agree and not only ignited the entire offense but ignited him up to that point he had to make a shot after that he's attacking the rim at will he's making those layups those scoop layups that everybody hates that never goes in but he was finally making them (laughs) but like you said it was just an all-around balanced effort from everybody Trent Forrest had 10, MJ Walker had 14, Dem Vassell had 13, Patrick Williams had 14, White had 11, Dominic Olenichuk had 8, uh, Raquan Evans had 8, which was his best performance arguably of the year. Travis Light came in in the last two minutes, two threes with six points. Lake Osborne had six points on two threes. Everybody was contributing. Everybody was doing what they are supposed to do on offense. Yep. And you could tell that Florida State was trying to stagger minutes to prepare for Duke. On Monday, as only MJ Walker played more than 24 minutes at 30, Trenton Devin had 23 and 24 minutes. Patrick Williams had 20. After that, no one else was even above 17. 
Florida State was really trying to save themselves for Duke because they know the challenge that's ahead of them. And it, it led to some sloppy play at first. They finished with 19 turnovers, fouled 20 times. But when you win by 18 against an in-state rival while hardly playing your main guys, that's definitely, definitely a success. Like you said, the the management of the rotations was absolutely perfect by the coaching staff in this one. Everyone played pretty much a perfect amount of minutes, did enough to get a comfortable victory against Miami. And now these guys, obviously traveling today to North Carolina, should be fresh enough to battle with Duke tomorrow night, who went toe-to-toe with North Carolina for 45 minutes uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, North Carolina should have come away with that. Duke got the luckiest place in the world somehow at both the end of regulation and overtime. I've never seen two <laughs> missed free throws work so well for a team at the end of games. Um, Trey Jones had arguably the best game of his career with 28 points, um, but it came in 42 minutes. So what kind of fatigue is he going to show against Florida State? That's a, an aggressive and a heavy pressuring and opportunistic defense. Is he going to be sloppy with the ball? Because he's already kind of sloppy with the ball, um, averaging almost three turnovers a game. I wouldn't be surprised if that number shoots up to four or five in this game. And Florida State's going to have to get him turning the ball over if they want a good chance of winning this game. The main the main player with Duke is Vernon Carey Jr. He's a low-scoring threat that Florida State has yet to see this season, averaging almost 18 points a game and nine rebounds a game. Um almost 59% from the floor. He can shoot from outside, but he hasn't done it a lot this season. If he's not taking bad, if he's not taking shots right at the rim or in the paint, you're going to live with it cuz his jump shots a little broken. You're, you're <laughs> going to live you're going to live with what he does. Cassius Stanley is averaging 12 and a half points. Matthew Hurts averaging 10 and a half points. Quendo Moore who's battled with battled injuries this year, he's averaging 8 points per game. This is a deeper Duke team than we're used to in the past. Even off the bench, you you got Joey Baker, Alex O'Connell, Jordan Goldwire, and then Jack White started some games. Javin Delorier. They've got guys that can come in and give quality minutes. And the, compared to their teams in the past, like the Zion RJ team, they had no bench. The team before that, they had no bench. This is something we're not used to used to from Duke, and it's paying off. They're scoring eighty three points a game, and they're only allowing sixty six points sixty six points per game. This is a really good Duke team, even if they've lost to Stephen F. Austin at home. Yeah, they run about seven, eight deep and do a pretty good job of keeping their guys fresh. Um, I know you were talking about Trey Jones and his turnovers. That's the one guy I don't want to roast on this podcast because last night I was I was sitting at uh, Longhorns watching the game, and I was like, man, Trey Jones came back for his sophomore year, and I saw his stats. I, f- I forget how many points he had at the time, but he wasn't having a great game. I was like, man – might have not been the great decision for him to come back for his sophomore year. And I go back to Eaton, and I look back up, and he's got, I, I guess, 28. I watch him make that insane shot to send it to overtime. And, I mean, man, the the last couple minutes of that game in overtime, gutsy performance by Trey Jones to help pull that one out. Yeah, he scored 15 points in a row at one point during that game. They don't win that game without him, even if I think it was Wendell Moore ended up hitting the game-winning shot at the end. But if North Carolina just makes a couple more free throws or if they can get a rebound, which is something they've been great all season, they win that game. And they get a much-needed win against their biggest rival and arguably the biggest rivalry in college basketball. Yeah, um, but I think, it was, I, I think it was perfect how everything turned out because you look at Florida State, they pretty much took care of Miami early, thought the guys got rest. And you look over to Duke, they played later on Saturday night went played down to the wire for the first 40 minutes and then had to grind even more over the over those last five to be able to pull it out with with two seconds left so i'm thinking maybe you see a tired blue devils team tomorrow night even though they didn't really have to travel to get back home just just the amount of effort it took for them to have to win that game down by so much over the last couple minutes just think about the energy expenditure of that team and if they can be fully recouped by by Monday night, because we saw the same thing with Florida State. They didn't struggle as hard uh, with Virginia Tech a couple weeks ago, obviously, but still, that was a game that was contested until the second half, where they where they were where they were able to finally pull away 
And then Florida State came back and that Monday night played UNC at the Tuck and struggled and, and looked like a fatigued team. And luckily were able to get out of there with a victory over the Tar Heels. So I'm thinking it could be this a similar sort of thing with Duke tomorrow night. Yeah, the only difference is since the first game is at home, they get a chance to recover as soon as the game is over. They've got ice tubs and hot tubs in the locker room. So as soon as coach is done talking, they can go ahead and get in there, get their knees and legs as close to normal as they can get them. Yeah. And then they have a full 24 hours before they hit the road today um, as recording this on Sunday. But, yeah, they've got a huge challenge ahead of them. As you were pointing out in the overtime game for Duke, Trey Jones played 42 minutes. Cassius Stanley played 36 minutes before fouling out. Wendell Moore played 30 minutes. Vernon Carey played 28 minutes, which is a lot for a big man, before fouling out. Um, Jordan Goldwire played 22 minutes, which is a lot for a Duke bench guy. This is, this is more than a lot of college basketball teams are used to playing their guys, even when they don't have a lot of depth. They still have to give these guys rest so they can recover and be good in the end of the games or their next game. How fatigued Trey Jones is going to look is going to be absolutely key in this game. Um, we're going to get to it later about what their game plan is with what Florida State's game plan is regarding Trey Jones. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't have to do too much extra just because he, play, he just played 42 minutes in the biggest rivalry in college basketball. Yeah, he's, he's going to be, no matter, no matter how in shape you are, how conditioned you are, playing that much and then only having a day off before playing a, playing again this time against a, a top 10 team, it, you're, you're going to be pretty fatigued no matter what, I would say. And it's, it shocked me that Duke opened up as eight and a half point favorites. I was expecting them to be three to four point favorites, but considering FSU beat Louisville on the road by double digits after Louisville was favored by six and a half, then Louisville goes on the road and beats Duke. You would think by transitive property, it'd be at least a close <laughs> spread, but apparently not, which means either Teddy Valentine or Jamie Lucky is going to be officiating. It's just destined to happen at this point because usually one of those two get the bigger games for whatever reason. Um, I'm I'm cautiously checking the internet and Twitter every 10 seconds, seeing if they've announced the officials yet, and they still haven't. Yeah, the only thing I can guess is maybe they're looking at Florida State's last road game or last, last two – two road games ago where they lost to Virginia. And then, I mean, they didn't play their greatest game at Virginia Tech, but I'd say that was due to some fatigue as well. But overall, this season, and Florida State's only three losses have come on the road, but I'd say overall this season, Florida State, they've performed pretty well away from the Tucker Center, used to losing some some easy ones away from Tallahassee in recent years in conference play. And other than the loss at Pittsburgh to open the season, I don't – I mean, at Indiana, not a bad loss. At Virginia, we've talked about not really a bad loss. I'd say the only really bad loss is that at Pitt game where Pitt just got so many whistles and doesn't make any sense for the spread to be at nine and a half points. I mean, you've got the number seven and the number eight teams in the country playing each other. Makes no sense for that to be pretty much a double-digit spread. But, yeah, Austin, uh, if you don't have anything else to add, you want to move forward to score predictions? Yeah, the only thing real quick that I'll add is Florida State's going to have to find a way to stop Vernon Carey in the post. I don't think they're going to be able to switch one through five this game, which I know a lot of fans have been really pissed that Florida State's been doing that. Um, but if you put Trent Forrest and Den Vassell on this mountain of a man, you're going to get abused in the post, and even Malik Osborne might get a little beat in the post. I wouldn't be surprised if they moved Malik to the four where he can match up against Matthew Hurt, put Dom, Dom and Boss at the five and just have them still rotate. Um, but they're going to have yeah, to Boss is going to be able to match up with him? I mean, he's at least got the height. That's, that's something. Um, <laughs> they're going to have to find a way to move him off the block. Um, if you, Again, if you let him shoot jumpers, you'll live with that all game. As far as score predictions go, it's tough. It's going to be a it's going to be a really interesting game. There's so many ways this game could go. Um, my two gut feelings are Florida State's either going to win on a buzzer beater, or Duke's going to win by eight to ten points. Wow. I, I I don't know why, but those are just the two ways I'm leaning. And just the fact that it's in Cameron Indoor, it's Duke. 
it's a tobacco road school, so they're going to get every single call imaginable. You know it. Absolutely. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> I'm, I'm already frustrated at the officiating, and we're a day ahead of the game. Um, I think Duke's going to win. I think it's going to be a fairly high-scoring game. Not as much as Duke has been scoring all season. They're not going to score, what is it, 83 points? Yeah, I don't think they're going to score 83 points in this game. I think it's going to be 79-70 Duke. Wow. That's tough. Duke winning, winning by nine. Dustin sounded like he was heartbroken with that prediction you just gave Austin. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been I've been setting him up this whole podcast to give a, a Florida State winning prediction, talking about how fatigued Duke's going to be, talking about how little rest they get comparing to Florida agree State. I'm setting points. you up. I agree with all those points. If this is neutral site or in Tallahassee, Florida State wins. But because it's in Cameron Indoor, I think Duke wins. So what do you think is the deciding factor for that nine-point victory? I think Vernon Carey is going to have a huge game. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying he's going to have a Marvin Bagley-type game where he goes for, what was it, 35 and 23. But I wouldn't be surprised if he has 24 and 13. I'm thinking of that Bryce Johnson game from UNC a couple years ago in Tallahassee where the man looked like freaking Shaq out there. 25, I think. Just disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, I was at that game. (laughs) I was at both that game and the Marvin Bagley game. Yeah, wouldn't want to be you. But I, I watch I watch both of them, so it's, it's pretty much the same thing. It's not great. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like you said, Austin, I think Vernon Carey is lined up for a pretty good performance in this one. Probably a double-double, 20 and 10, somewhere around there. Um, Florida State's bigs, something we've talked about throughout the season, just not, not the strongest point of this team. And now you're going against arguably the toughest center – you faced all season. Don't really. I don't think Dom is going to be able to match up with him. I'm not the biggest fan of Dom. I think. I think that's known. <laughs> he's played well. Really, he's played really well recently, though. I'll give him his props. He's played well. He played good last game. He hit like some really long hook shot. I was like, wow. All right. And I think he had a good game. I think it was Virginia <laughs> Tech. He had another great game. So I mean, yeah, there's times where he where he can flash, but I think this game against Carey, he's not going to be able to stop him too much on the defensive end and then offensively that hook shot over carry carry's gonna stuff that shit (laughs) (laughs) so i'm looking you mentioned it austin but malik osborne hasn't really played much recently i'd be interested to see if hamilton throws him up against carry and sees if maybe he can slow him down a little bit just because and i i am a big malik osborne fanboy so i'll go ahead and put that out there but man i think he's i think he's so physical He's got the he's got the body to be able to battle with Carey. And then I also think Malik, he just has that experience. He's already played collegiately for Rice a couple years back and now getting back a chance to do it with Florida State. So I think this is maybe a spot for him to rebound and be able to fight against Carey a bit. I certainly hope so. I just I think he, I think he's a little undersized as far as weight goes. I'm not saying he's skinny or weak by any stretch of imagination because he's a strong guy. Vernon Carey is just a bully of a man. I believe in uh, Malik Osborne's heart. Plays with the energy. The energy, the the intensity he brings. Vernon Carey is going to have to match that. That's all I'm saying. But just to just to make my score prediction, I'm gonna. I think Florida State is going to go into to Cameron Indoor and win this game. I've got FSU 78. Duke, 76. Good Lord, if the game's that close. <laughs> oh, man, my heart's going to be stopped by the time the game's over. Plus, Malik Osborne, <laughs> buzzer beating three from half court. That, okay. No. <laughs> I do not need that in my life. <laughs> I do not need that kind of stress in my life. But, yeah, whether, whether it's a late basket or a buzzer beater, Florida State, they're going to somehow find a way to pull this one out late and get their 21st win. Wow. Okay, Dustin. Go right ahead then. Who's going to win? Who's going to? I'm not. Do I get to make a prediction? If Go you for actually it. want to talk basketball for once. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hold up now. <laughs> 
I went to a lot of games last year. All right. Anyway, so um, <clears throat> I do think <clears throat> if I can even speak now, uh, I do think we were talking about earlier, Dustin, and, and also, you know, they had a tough game with North Carolina. Might be a little worn down. I'm going to go buzzer beater FSU Vassell three. Uh, 76, 73. They're going to be tied. So you're going Michael Snare-esque? Yes. It's going to be part two. That would be beautiful. Um, <laughs> yes, I would be. honestly love that. <laughs> it would be beautiful to a lot of FSU fans. You want to talk about this recruiting here, basketball-wise, for FSU? Dustin, 2021 four-star uh, Bryce McGowan's commits to Florida State. Uh, also, during the game against Miami, 2021 four-star Dal, uh, Dallin, 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 Dallin Coleman visits. Uh, and, you know, I guess now go ahead and start off and talking about Bryce McGowan's because this is a big commit also for Leonard Hamilton moving into the future in the next class. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of salty. Bryce didn't wait a couple more days or so to commit because, man, I've been DMing you on Instagram trying to get this interview and, and you won't even respond. So what, what's up with that, bro? But big, big land for Florida State to get Bryce McGowan's in the fold for the 2021 class. Um, he was in Tallahassee, I believe, for the Notre Dame game, if I'm not incorrect. With Musa Chisa. Yep with Musa to, to watch that. That was their official visits. And then, uh, yeah, yesterday after the Miami game, he decided to officially commit, become a Seminole. Um, he's actually a guy that reminds me a lot of Devin Vassell. I was, I was watching some of his game tape and he just has that same body, long, lanky, um, really long arms and, and legs, um, has a long wingspan. And then he's just, He's, I wouldn't call him skinny, but he's just he's more of a thin guy and just good around the rim, good defender, improving from outside, improving from the outside, and just another elite talent for Leonard Hamilton to mold into something great. Yeah, and I agree. In his uh, commitment announcement, he said he's actually going to play point guard at Florida State. So for Florida State to have another big guard, playing the point that's obviously huge and also in his announcement he said he was going going to be recruiting heavily Musa Chise who he visited with and Matthew Cleveland another very talented guard um, who currently has his Florida State basketball offer pinned on Twitter so I think Florida State's chances are are high in landing those two players um, and I agree with you on your assessment on McGowan's play style he reminds me a lot of the cell and he's got the same kind of body type um it's a great get for Florida State and Coach Hamilton. And I love the way he announced it. It's a place where I could be a part of winning and compete for ACC and national championships. Not just one, but multiple. Um, I, think this is a, I think this is a huge get for Florida State. Yeah, he's, he's a top 50 prospect, number nine shooting guard in the country, and number one player, actually, out of, out of uh, the state of South Carolina in the 2021 class. So this is an elite guy. Really shows the reach that Leonard Hamilton and his staff have on the recruiting trail with the consistent success that they've been able to have at Florida State. What was actually funny to me is um, Bryce committed this weekend when he was at Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't know if he was on a visit to Pitt or, or just watching his brother play, but he decided to go ahead and commit to Florida State while at his brother's school. I thought that was something funny that was going around on Twitter. Yeah, I love that. Establish your dominance, Bryce. I love it. <laughs> and then moving on to Dallin Coleman. Um, he's actually a guy I got a chance to talk to a little bit last week before his visit. But, yeah, he was in Tallahassee to watch Florida State win that game against Miami. When I got a chance to talk to him, he really mentioned the, the crowd and the atmosphere in the Tucker Center as a big drawing factor. So I'm sure he was happy with what he got to witness in person uh, this past weekend. And um, yeah, he's another guy, top 50, top 50 shooting guard. And if Bryce is going to be sliding over to point guard, I'd say that still means there's um, a spot for Dallin. I know he has a pretty good relationship 
with Stan Jones and Stan Jones actually offered him after he got to watch, watch Dallin play a, a tournament game last summer in person. So he's another long guard, six foot six, 195 pounds or so that Florida state, Florida state's had a lot of success with guards around that size past couple of years. I mean, you think about Trent and Devin, plus you have guys like Malik, Dwayne Bacon and Terrence Mann all in the NBA now. So I think guards are really starting to see what Florida State can can do and develop them into. And yeah, FSU just getting a lot of looks from elite talent now. And they keep going after these, like you said, these long guards with crazy wingspans. Surely ACC is just looking around going, how do they keep getting these guys? Why can't we steal one or two of these? Um, it just shows what, Florida, what Coach Hamilton's built in Tallahassee and will hopefully keep going for a little while longer. On to questions now, the segment here, before we jump into trivia and fun facts and off the podcast. This question comes from I'm going to call you Heath from Twitter. Against Duke, do we try to lock down Trey Jones or do we play him the way we played John Morant last year and let him have what he wants, just shut down the other four on the court? I think in an ideal world, Florida State would play that John Morant type game plan where they just let the point guard score whatever they want to score, but just don't let anybody else have the ball. But Murray State didn't have Vernon Carey. And Vernon Carey <laughs> just has so much gravity as an offensive threat that you're not going to be able to just say, oh, we're going to shut down Vernon Carey this game. It, it just doesn't happen. Um, he's going to be one of the main threats or one of the main focuses for Florida State defensively, whether they double-team him, trap him, just anything to get the ball out of Carey's hands. Then from there, I think they'll worry about the rest and let the rest play out. I also think if Trey Jones hadn't just played 42 minutes, I think the game plan might be a little more skewed towards him. Yeah, um, I would say in this scenario, Vernon Carey is pretty much the John Morant. I think I think Florida State should give Vernon Carey what he wants, let him have a good game. And then focus on the other four guys. Try and lock down Trey Jones. Uh, I mean, obviously you have Trent Forrest, um, a big guard, long wingspan, great defender. I think you just tell Trent, say, hey, you you got to lock down Trey for 40 minutes. And, you know, because Vernon, Vernon Carey is going to get what he wants inside. Florida State's big man depth. It, it just it isn't there to tackle a player of this of this kind of caliber whereas i feel the opposite way with the guard depth i think florida state has some really great defensive guards that can go out and battle with the blue devils so i, I say give vernon carry what he wants and try and lock up everyone else and trent won't say this so i'll say it for him but he's <laughs> got a personal rivalry with trey jones because he was upset trey jones made all acc first defensive team last year and trent didn't so he's he's got a little bit of a grudge and a little bit more uh-huh. of a chip on his shoulder and when Trent plays on a ch- with a chip on his shoulder he's one of the best players in the country so I, I'm expecting a big game from him uh, okay well, there you go a little insight here from here the spear this next question Dustin is coming from Mama Lewis so you need to be on your best behavior now Dustin. two questions two questions she told me the second questions from my dad so Okay, okay, gotcha. Uh, the whole Lewis family chipping in for Hear the Spirit. This yep, week. yeah. Uh, we won't be hearing any cuss words from Dustin this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Playing Duke at home, FSU and Duke have the same record 20-3. to What do you foresee the key to defeating the Blue Devils? Also, since FSU has been winning home games since 2016 and showing strong press- pressure in the ACC, will this help attract top recruits? Uh, starting with the Duke question and the key to beating Duke, I think it's going to be using Florida State's depth to their advantage. They may start slow in the first half, but we've seen multiple times now throughout the season where they start to wear teams down in the second half. And with Duke coming off that overtime game, they're already going to be a little more worn down anyways. So just constantly rotating guys in and out, just constantly beating that Duke, wearing them down, I think that's going to be the key. Vernon Carey is going to get his own buckets. Some of these other guys are going to hit big-time shots, even if they're contested. Just have to give all-out effort and continue wearing these guys down. As far as attracting top recruits, I think it already is attracting top recruits. 
Um, going 60, I think I believe it's 61 and three now since 2016. Mm-hmm. That that kind of home advantage you can't find anywhere. The only team that's better than that is Gonzaga, and they play San Francisco and Mount St. Mary's every year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Coming to Florida State, where you're playing one of Duke or Carolina every single year, you've got Miami coming in every year, Notre Dame, Louisville. You've got so many big time talents, Virginia and Virginia Tech. I forgot them, Syracuse. You got so many big time programs in this conference. That alone is going to get you at least the attention of recruits. But obviously, winning against those teams is going to get you recruits as well. Yeah, and I'll say since we've already talked about some of the other the other keys um, to to beating Duke, I'll go ahead and just say free throw shooting and three point shooting. Um, Duke in their last game got to the line thirty four times against UNC. I think Florida State is going to want to do a a good job of not fouling. Um, the Blue Devils free throw shooters are a pretty good team shooting from the line. They did go 26 of 34 in those 34 attempts against UNC. They only went four out of 18 from deep, though. And just continuing to play to that tired tired legs factor. I mean, typically when you're tired, you don't shoot as well. So I'm hoping Florida State, who just knocked down 13 of 26 from behind the arc against Miami, will continue that shooting prowess into Durham on Monday night. Um, if Florida state makes nine or more threes, I think they're definitely going to win this game. If they get, if they can get to the line 25, 26 times, that's about where you're going to need to be to, to battle this one out on the road. There's no chance Florida state gets the line first shoots 26 free throws. There's no way ACC officials let Florida state get that many free throw shots. I'd be surprised if they got more than 15, honestly. Yeah, that's that's what you got to worry about whistles, and then yeah, the second part of the question, like you said, Austin, the the results are pretty much already starting to speak for themselves. You just landed Bryce McGowan's, and then a bunch of the guys on the team right now are blue chip blue chip talents, or were some of the top recruits in the country coming out of high school. So I think that that recruiting recruiting prowess is already showing itself, and it's just going to keep getting better. Well, I think that'll end off the question segment of the podcast. You guys ready for some trivia? Let's get it. That sounded pretty. That sounded depressor. Are you ready for some trivia? No. <laughs> Not after that. I was ready the first time. <laughs> I sounded. I sounded depressed, and I'm not depressed. I might be a little tired. No, um, he's depressed because he's messaging me on, on LinkedIn. That's how you know yeah. he's depressed. He's yeah. messaging you on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> I was messaging him during basketball part of the podcast. I was just messing around. Jeez. Dustin, you're just jealous I'm not signing to your DMs on LinkedIn. I wouldn't know if you did because I I don't get on that shit. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, that didn't really last long for not cussing. <laughs> They'll live. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into the question number one. Who? Wait, what's the lead right now? Tied now? I think it's tied. I think it's 3-3. Three, yeah. three. I think it's 3-3 three, three right now. All right. So last week we did jersey numbers for football. Since the big game against Duke tomorrow night, I say we do basketball and we do jersey numbers. I think All this right. would be a good one. So let's start off with a few notable names if we have to. Might just have to be one round. We'll see. That doesn't ever seem to be the case, though. Question number one. What jersey number did Charlie Ward wear playing basketball? Mm. I shouldn't know this. I feel so stupid. Five seconds. Three, thirteen. Uh, yes, eleven. The number is wow, twelve. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is the hilarious. epitome of our trivia. Yep, yep, pretty much. That is true. All right, round two. What number? Did Okaro White wear during his oh time at FS? God. 
I know this. I'll let Dustin go. Oh. <laughs> Austin um, says he knows it. There's six seconds left. At least I'm pretty sure I know it. Will Austin take I'll, the lead? I'll say ten. Ten. The correct answer is ten. So you that did know it. All right. I should know that, dude, because Okaro was one of the first first guys we were watching with season tickets, just like I was talking about with Phil. Okaro was still around back then. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I kind of knew that one, too, a little bit. It didn't come off too hard for me. Are you all ready for round three? For sure. What number did Jonathan Isaac wear? At FSU. Numero unless, unless, Yeah, I was about to say, unless it's a trick question, number one, right? <laughs> yes, yes, that is correct. So now, that, since that one was a little bit easy, we're going to move into a little bit older and get some history in here for us. Oh, God. Some of our older listeners will probably know this one pretty easily, but we'll see. The youngins will know it. What number did former Noel Dave Cowens wear at FSU? Dustin should know this since he's a Boston Celtic. Oh yeah, that is correct. What number did Dave? I know, I know what number he wore with the Celtics, but not Florida State. Uh, Once again, I know this. So I'll wait for Dustin to go. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that is the reason why Austin is a lead basketball writer. He knows his jersey numbers, except for Charlie Ward. But we don't want to talk. Exa- about yeah, that. except for Charlie Ward. And I feel bad because I've met him. Yeah, that is that is pretty sad, Austin. I'll we say seconds. I'll say thirteen. Yeah, thirteen. Thirteen is the correct number, Dustin. You're doing that's, a good job. That's usually an unlucky number. Yeah, yeah, it sometimes is. All right, next question. My luck's gonna run out on this one. It, 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 <laughs> it, it, I, we'll see. Mike, this is also a good... Depends who you're going with. Yeah. Never, give me, never give me Dwayne Bacon. I can do that one. <laughs> Next player on the list here. What number did Bernard James wear? Oh, God. Sarge. I'm going to say my, 31. My favorite Florida State... One of my favorite Florida State players of all time. Number Dang. five. Did he actually wear number five? Let's see if Dustin... Loses and loses the lead. I'll be 35. What was your question? What was your answer? 31? Yeah, I said 31, but... I'll even tell him he's wrong because 31 was Chris Singleton. God. No. Ding, 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 ding. Austin wins. Bernard James wore number five during his time at Florida State. Shout out Sarge, man. I miss Bernard James. That dude was awesome. He was. He was. I was really. I was quite young then, but I would say he's almost single-handedly the reason that 2012 Florida State ended up winning the ACC tournament. Yeah, I'd agree. Because I remember FSU. They weren't having a great year in 2012, and then they went on the road to Virginia Tech, and Bernard James had just an insane performance. I think it was like 30 points, 15 rebound type of game for FSU to beat Virginia Tech. And then they came back to Tallahassee with uh, game day here, and that's where Dulkies just went absolutely insane against North Carolina. And from there, I felt like the team just the team just got hot, especially during that <clears throat> that regular season where they went on to hit the buzzer beater at Duke and then go and win in the ACC tournament before it kind of fell apart in the Sweet 16, or was that the round of 32 year? Either way. That was, that was one of my favorite years of Florida State basketball, no matter what. Yeah, Bernard was just a crazy <laughs> – he was one of the biggest impact kind of players you could have, but he was only 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, yeah. Um, yeah, at Virginia Tech, he had 18 points and 15 rebounds. Some of his stat lines that year were crazy. He also had three blocks that game. He had one game, nine points, seven boards, five blocks. Another game, 13 points, nine rebounds, five blocks. He was just an yeah. animal. That dude just was a awesome. guy built on on grit and hard work. I mean, came to Florida State after serving in Iraq and Afghanistan. 
And also after after playing at Florida State and having success with the Seminoles, went on to play in the NBA for a couple years and also overseas, I think. So yeah, he was a beast in China. I think he was putting up like twenty and twelve over there. Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah, heck of a journey for that guy. Y'all ready for the fun fact segment to end off the podcast? Oh, Lord, the best and favorite segment. I've got one that I can start us off with. I actually have a few that I've been reading over now for a couple minutes. By a couple minutes, he means the last 30 minutes of the Duke preview? Yeah, pretty much. I, I, I had to find a new site. The last ones haven't been that impressed. I just kind of want a short and, and pretty interesting ones. But I, I, I found one. This one's pretty interesting to me. Wearing headphones for just an hour will increase the bacteria in your ear by 700 times. And that's actually pretty interesting to me because I wear headphones all the time. Like if I'm going to the gym or if I'm at work or I'm studying, I got headphones inside. So must have like a freaking germ-filled ears. Bacteria-filled mother effers. Okay. <laughs> so Dustin, don't put your tongue to my ears anytime soon. I was waiting for that. That's why I said okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Warning to you, Dustin. Hmm. Don't well, do it. Well my my fun fact is there there has never been a documented perfect March Madness bracket. And it says uh statistically speaking you have a one in nine point two quintillion chance of filling out a perfect March Madness bracket, quintillion. which is kind of insane. Until um, I break. Wait, it. yeah, I was about to say, wait till this year. <laughs> wait till this year. Well, my fun fact is, uh, I was just scrolling through some in this. I have one that I have one that I can say if you're still looking. Cause no, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, I'm, I'm just. Yours. Okay. This is very to me. This is very. This is the most serious part of the podcast, anyway. So I'm just making sure this is why people come. They usually just skip the whole podcast and come to the segment. So right, yeah, understandably. Yeah, um, don't blame them. Did you know D57 on Heinz ketchup bottles represents the varieties of pickle the company once had? Variety of pickles, huh? I didn't know there were 57 kinds of pickles in the first place. But yeah, I had here no we are. Idea. I guess there's different kind of pickle pickles. You could get it girth, length. Shocking um, that girth is the first factor you put in. That sometimes you gotta <laughs> chew on a sucker. <laughs> no, sometimes I like eating pickles, but I like them like sliced. I'm not gonna eat it like you know, just grab a pickle and you know, bite down on it and stuff. You like pickles, Dustin? They're all right. <laughs> I like them on burgers and stuff, but that's a pretty interesting no, I, thing. I, I, I even never thought that was from Heinz. I have to ask Popeyes to hold the pickles on the sandwiches. I asked yeah. Chick-fil-A to hold the pickles. Yep, same. I, I, I like pickles. Bitch-ass pickles. <laughs> There's one in here. Oh, yeah, this is pretty interesting to me. And I don't know how that, this doesn't make sense. A duck's quack doesn't echo, and no one knows why. <laughs> that is awesome. I don't Probably know why. They're outside. That is my favorite fact I've ever heard. Well, I would think they'd done the test inside, too, but it doesn't echo. That, I, that shocks true. me. I'm going Hold to Lake on. Ella tomorrow. I'm going to watch ducks, and I'm going to see if it echoes. Hey, ducks quack doesn't echo. That's interesting to me. That's a pretty. I got a good site to work with. I got like a hundred of these things. I need like I need a YouTube video of someone just standing in the Grand Canyon with a duck. Yes. Just seeing if it echoes. That's yeah. what I need in my life. That's what you watch awesome. a video on that. You watch a video on that, Austin. And we will make sure we bring that up after we have James Wilder and Carlos on on Tuesday. We'll we'll ask him about why ducks can't yeah, we'll all discuss it as a family. Like I said, I don't know where that podcast is going to go, but I'm really looking forward to it. Also looking forward to this game tomorrow night, FSU versus Duke. Where are, y'all, where are you guys, real quick, where are you guys projecting FSU will be in the AP rankings tomorrow afternoon? I don't oh. think anybody ahead of us lost. I could be wrong, but I think it should still be a 7-8 matchup. Okay. Number one, baby. 
All right, right. Henry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll well, probably be the same. Yeah. Well, big game tomorrow at 7 p.m. at ESPN. Um, and we'll be recapping that, like I said, in this next episode on Here to Sphere. We're really excited about it. Former Knowles, two national champions from the 2013 team. James Wilder Jr., who we've had on the podcast before, and also Carlos Williams. We're both going to have them on at the same time. We're going to discuss a lot of things. I've already got a lot of things on my mind to ask them. I still want to talk a lot about uh, maybe some good stories that you know hasn't haven't been told, and you know I think it'll be a nice conversation, and uh, we'll be having them on Tuesday, and that podcast will be live to you guys on Wednesday. Uh, but as always, if you're listening now, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate you guys for coming on and, and and listening to us every week. If you're listening on iTunes, like I said, rate us five stars and leave a review. You'll have a chance for us to shout you out. Um, we always appreciate you guys doing that. It helps us out and helps grow the podcast more to other Knowles and, and grow the listens. If you're on Twitter, you can follow us at Hear the Spear. The guys' Twitter handles are below. You can go check them out there. Um, but yeah, we will, guys, we'll talk to you on Wednesday. You'll have a great start to your week. Enjoy the game tomorrow evening.